0: and welcome to the Culture Swally, a podcast dedicated to Scottish news and pop culture. My name is Nikki, and I'm joined, as always, by the man who has just been looking up recipes for custard.
1: It's Greg.
0: How are you today,
1: Greg? I'm oh, very well. I'm very well. The listeners might be able to hear, I'm like sitting like a Bond villain here with a cat on my knee. <laughs> That's why <what> I'm... <laughs> Just spent fifteen
0: minutes trying to start recording, but uh Greg's cat was a little bit uh, a little bit loud. Never mind,
1: just wants some attention, it so. doesn't he? Because my family are away, and normally, like, as you can imagine, my daughters lavish him with attention whenever he wants it. Um mm. so he's probably maybe feeling a bit unloved. So So and you've just effectively locked him out of the room for
0: two hours so you can chat shit to, <laughs> exactly, to me. And, exactly. Exactly. Uh, yeah, he's probably not too <laughs> happy about it, so that's that's fair enough. I understand. I understand. It's quite alright. Um. Yeah, how are you? Have you ever made custard from I scratch? I
1: haven't. No, I'm not. Like, I'm not. Custard's one of those things that, like, I, I wouldn't like, I wouldn't. It's not something that I would have in the house but if somebody made me some custard I'd be really pleased. You know what I mean? It's like a once in yeah. a while sort of treat. Are you a fan of custard?
0: Yeah, I I, I couldn't tell you the last time I had custard, but yeah, I've, I'm a fan. I used to love it, yeah. My mum used to make custard when, not from scratch, t- be from, it was yeah. birds. No, um, nothing wrong with that. <laughs> a, yeah. tenner, a a packet, um, but yeah, I used to like custard back in the day. I haven't had it for a long time. Anyway, um, I'd imagine a lot of our listeners are on the edge of their seat. Do we have any um, Deacon Blue update? No, from uh, the last episode. Um,
1: no, uh, Diggy <laughs> Vipond has has ignored us. Has chosen to ignore us. Ricky Ross, I think I mentioned he did respond uh, when we were recording last time, with a bit of a cynical. Mm. Oh, there's lots of games left still to play, um, and uh, yeah, so yeah, no, no response. I don't think they're up for it, unfortunately. Nah, no, oh. never mind.
0: So. Well, <coughs> um, of course you. are Head in to Scotland very shortly. So, have you got anything exciting planned? When well, you're there? I'm
1: taking my daughters. Um, my, my my wife's going to go into London to see a friend overnight. So, my daughters and I, um, we've got a bit of time. Just the three of us. Um, and Glasgow is our oyster, as they say. So I thought I might take them up the West End, you know, take them to the University Cafe for a Sunday and maybe walk up to the Kelvin Grove and let my, let my oldest daughter get a bit of a, an idea of, you know, because if she goes to university in Glasgow, there's every chance that she'll be living So Yeah. Um, yeah. So I thought we'd do that and we'd go for a walk around the botanics. Yeah. Go in the Clockwork Orange, as they call it, the subway. Like the shortest... Underground train line I think In the world <laughs> The easiest to read Subway map Certainly In the world This <laughs> is only one list, only one One line So yeah no, I'm, I'm looking forward to I mean mainly I'm just looking forward To getting some fresh air About me Because like, you know What it's like here In the summer Well What it's like here All year It's just yeah. It's, yeah. it's either warm Or hot And uh, It's not oh, Often dusty, so I'm looking forward to getting a bit fresh air about me. And of course, I'll be I'll be coming to see you as well um, in a couple of weeks. I'll be in Amsterdam. Yeah, yeah, you certainly will
0: be. Yeah, looking forward to it. Yeah, yeah sure. Well, then uh, we'll get something sorted when you're here. Near the time. Looking forward to it. Wonderful. Well, I hope you have a lovely time in Thank Scotland. You. And um, shall we have a look at what's been happening in <laughs> Scotland over the last <laughs> yeah, couple of weeks? Cue the jingle.
1: <laughs>
2: This is the Outer Hebrides Broadcasting Corporation, and here is what's been going on in the
0: news. Okay, Greg, what have you seen this week that you'd like to share with me and our lovely
1: listeners? So, this first story uh, is very much in the sort of Swally tradition. Um, It comes from the Daily Record on the 19th of July. uh, It reads Scots... Shopkeeper, nicknamed Rambo, tells how he fought off a gun-wielding armed robber. So this is Khalid Mahmud, 65. He disarmed the masked thug with his bare hands after the pistol was pointed at him during the holdup at his shop in Edinburgh. The grandad of eleven battered David Mackenzie, who apparently is known as <laughs> he's known as Crackers, over the head with his own weapon. <laughs> And bundled them outside. Jesus. Uh, brave Khaled managed to pull the robber's balaclava off as they fought in the street, prompting Mackenzie to tell them, Listen Rambo, it was only a joke. Don't tell the police. (laughs) Um, Mackenzie, uh, 35, is a past customer who was also armed with a knife and he was uh, caged at the city's high court, which heard that he had 33 previous convictions. Um, Khaled, who is a former amateur wrestler, who's been known as Rambo for decades, (laughs) told the record, I'm glad he got eight years. It was overwhelming at the time, but I would do the same again. Uh, It could have been my wife in the shop instead of me. My, My customers have been very supportive. They call me a hero, although I wouldn't say that about myself. Khaled was behind the counter in the Granton area store when the robber burst in at around 7.30 on a Sunday morning. The father of four said, he had a pistol and said, give me all your money, you bastard. I didn't really have to think. I grabbed his arm and twisted it. Uh, He was quite strong, but I got the gun off him. He turned to take his knife out at the same time, but he dropped it. When he picked it up, I was already hitting him with his gun. The gun was very, was a very heavy, old fashioned type of gun. Uh, We ended up outside the shop fighting hand to hand and I dropped the gun I wanted to see his face, so I managed to pull his balaclava up. He pushed me and I fell over. He had the knife, but I don't think he used it because the balaclava was off and I could see his face. I knew him as someone who came into the shop, although I didn't know his name. I said, what the fuck are you doing? And he said, listen Rambo, it was only a joke. Don't tell the police. I told him to fuck off. Um, (laughs) um, Mackenzie fled on a pushbike and was later detained. Uh, He was later detained by armed cops at a Granton flat. Khaled underwent a double knee replacement two years ago, which left him unable to run, but he was still able to fend off his attacker. He said, I was an amateur wrestler when I was younger training at the gym at Napier College when I was a student. I did some boxing too so I've always been able to handle myself. Uh, Khaled got his nickname when the first series of Rambo movies were topping the box office. He said, back in the 1980s, I got a Land Rover and I fixed it up similar to a Jeep that Rambo had in a film, which I was going to drive to see my family in Pakistan. Later, a neighbour of mine who is ex-army and I got involved in a disagreement and the landlord got burnt (laughs) sorry, the Land Rover got burnt out (laughs) Uh, Jesus Christ! It's a hell of a disagreement! We had a fight, and I won! and the name Rambo has stuck ever since. Khaled said family members have urged them to give up the shop that he's run for the past 13 years following the incident, but he has no plans to retire. At Mackenzie's sentencing on Monday, uh, Lady Judge Haldane commended the quite extraordinary courage, as she said, as she to quote her, shown by Khaled. Mackenzie denied assaulting Khaled and attempting to rob him on October the 10th, 2021, but he was found guilty after trial. He was convicted of possessing a knife and the firearm. Defence counsel Ian McSporran Cracking name said no ammunition was found with the firearm, and it wasn't capable of firing in its condition. Yeah, so there he is, old uh, Grant, uh, old uh, Rambo of West West Granton. If anybody's interested, the you can go on the Daily Record uh, website, and you can see the video from the shop security camera of uh, of Rambo. Uh, taking crackers to task And tried to rob him What do you think of that?
0: What an absolute legend <laughs> yeah. Good on him I mean Jesus That's got to be terrifying But I guess at that moment Adrenaline just takes over And you think No, you're not fucking taking my money You know, I've been working hard for this So yeah. fuck you And that's fantastic I love the fact you recognise him From coming in the shop <laughs> yeah. And the guy said Do you think the guy said Sorry Rambo It was only a joke or is Rambo said that because he
1: wants to be... I don't know. ...called Rambo? <laughs> I don't know. I don't, maybe. I mean, it's just... You can sort of imagine one of these bloody little sort of fannies when they've been rumbled, just sort of tr- trying anything to not get in trouble. You know what I mean? Um, I just like the the fact that Rambo told me to fuck off. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's brilliant. I mean, fucking hell, good on on him.
0: I mean, amateur wrestler and a bit of boxing, so he's not someone you want to mess with. So good on him. And, you know, as much as I think in the past, we've had a few news agents and things that have fought off Mm. robbers, but they've had, you know, pool cues, Thor's (laughs) hammer, a bendy metal rod. Um, But he's just done it with his bare hands. I mean that's impressive, and the guy had a gun and yeah. a knife. Yeah, I mean so the gun was obviously deactivated, yeah. but he didn't know that no, at the time. No. So
1: yeah, that's I impressive. Just, he I just said the that. fact Good that, he, that he, he took the gun and used it to batter the guy with it. Yeah, to <laughs> batter him. <laughs> Brilliant yeah. Pistol whipped With your own good gun
0: <laughs> I would like to go Into more detail Of uh, how he got The nickname Rambo So it's because He had a Land Rover That looked a bit Like a jeep <laughs> yeah. That Rambo yeah. drove I presume in Rambo yeah. 2 um, First Blood Yeah um, First part Blood Part 2 No, First Blood yeah. Part 2 Yeah Um, Yeah, great That's that's a good uh, nickname To, to get <laughs> Just because you've got A similar car I, I, I know
1: Yeah he's, 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 he's got form For fighting the guys Because he battered Like an ex-army guy <laughs> had his Land Rover burnt out yeah <laughs>
0: Oh, that's maybe Yeah Maybe that's why I, got the I watched
1: um, The first two Rambo films I feel like Recently And they, they're oh. bizarre Because the tone From the first one To the second one Is quite different the, the, the first one Is obviously It's it's sort of You know It's it's quite a Psychological story About uh, post-traumatic stress And about A bit of a Statement on guys Coming back from Vietnam And adjusting to society And the second one Is just like a Classic 1980s Action film With like Every 1980s action film trope
0: (laughs) you can imagine I I totally agree with you it's bizarre First Blood is an incredible film Um, exactly as you say it's about you know post-traumatic stress it's about the how Vietnam veterans probably felt coming back to the US and being effectively just thrown back into the mm. country and left to get on with their own devices yeah. and how, how those things can affect you an incredible yeah, film yeah. really and yeah you're right like two a- and three is just yeah. even more bonkers three he's like taking out Apache helicopters <laughs> yeah. with a bow and arrow and stuff it's just yeah. fucking yeah. mental um, yeah. but yeah I, I wonder if it's because with audiences the the end of First Blood yeah tested well because at the end is a bit of a, a kind of action set yeah, piece yeah. Um, and I wonder if they were like right we want more of that we don't want him hiding <laughs> in the woods we want more Possibly.
1: action we need more
0: explosions yeah. but yeah oh, it's incredible yeah.
1: part one intense character study part two and three just about killing communists all day long, killing communists, killing communists in the jungle, killing communists in the desert. Basically.
0: Oh, <laughs> well, and I mean, four and five are quite similar. Um, oh, I always forget about that. Yeah, I mean, four is five's a little bit less. That's more like taking it back to the streets. Is kind that of is thing, that last
1: blood yeah. when he, he creates like a sort of yeah. house of horrors for the people that are trying <laughs> trying to kill him? Yeah, yeah. 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 he does a, a, a he Kevin does. Yeah. and. <laughs> yeah, it's basically about
0: yeah. Four yeah. um, is the I think that is it Cambodia yeah. or Vietnam. I mean
1: I, the Cambodia. I think that's setting. the violence in that one is just, that's just ridiculous. It, He's literally off literally punching holes in people. <laughs> <You know>? Yeah, <laughs> it's
0: like it's like less Rambo more Jason Voorhees Um and I wonder if that's why with Last Blood they, they were like let's strip this back a little bit <laughs> yeah. again and just have a bit more of a kind of realistic yeah. toad to it but yeah still nonsense oh fuck I might watch one of them tonight <laughs> now actually oh <laughs> in the mood yeah. for that.
1: Anyway, that's, uh, that's uh, Rambo, the hero uh, news agent of Granton. Um, what's your first story this episode?
0: Uh, my first story is from the Daily Record this week, Greg. And this would have been perfect for uh, two episodes ago, when we did for those in peril. So this is about a dad who thinks he's quids in after finding rare whale vomit worth £40,000 on a Scottish beach. But experts say it's sewage. (laughs) Ronnie Humphreys, 42, claims to have discovered a two kilogram haul of... uh, Now, I might mess up the pronunciation of this. I really should have checked. But Ambergus. I'm going to... And I'm going to stick to that for the rest of this article. Ambergus. uh, On Leven Beach in Fife. He is convinced the substance is legitimate, but experts have written it off as sewage grease. Ambergus, often dubbed floating gold is produced by sperm whales. It is used to make perfume which can be worth millions despite being little more than vomit. Dad of seven, Ronnie, says that he is ignoring the expert's opinion and is hoping to sell it for a hefty sum. He said, That's definitely whale vomit. We did everything at home and it passed all the tests. (laughs) What tests? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I have no idea if Roddy's if him and his seven kids have got some sort of laboratory in their house or anything. Oh, uh, the clumps also had squid beaks in it, which is a sign of it. Yeah, being whale vomit, Ken, which is a key sign. The dog wouldn't leave it alone. <laughs> and a guy at the Citizens Advice Bureau in the labs agreed that it's whale vomit. <laughs> it ticks all the boxes. So I'm confident. I've got no problem getting it tested too before I put it up for auction. Uh, Ronnie from Fife was walking on the beach on July 16th with son Alfie, five, when he made the find. He said, "I, me and my son uh, took a walk on the beach almost every day. He accidentally stood on it looking for crabs and it squashed under his feet. Kinda like wax I picked it up As yes, you did And I kinda knew what it was <laughs> But I thought There's no way I could be this lucky I left it And continued our walk But someone told me to go back and pick it up How... <laughs> Wait a minute, if you instantly thought, how could I be so lucky? Why would you then leave it and go back? Uh, Ronnie, who is unemployed, then took the clumps home. He said he carried out several tests, including using a hot needle to see if the waxy substance melted. The clump also smelt like horse manure, <laughs> which Ronnie claims is another key sign of whale vomit. Or shit, maybe. Uh, however, an expert at Ambergas Europe says, this is sewage grease. Uh, a spokesman who was sent photos says... It's degraded oil from water waste, sewage grease. This material is a very common human pollution on the beaches of the Mediterranean and the Atlantic. Despite this, Ronnie still believes he has real ambergris, and he wants to sell. He added, I'm going to put up for auction eventually. It'll be life-changing amount of money for us. Fishermen call it floating gold. We don't want to move out of the area or anything, but that money would make sure all our kids are secure. It would change our lives. High quality ambergris is said to fetch up £20 a gram, and that could potentially make Ronnie's 2 kilogram call worth forty grand. The largest ever find is believed to have been found by a group of fishermen in Yemen in 2021. Uh, they find £1.1 1. 1 oh. worth in a carcass floating on the sea. Uh, we almost have choked on its own vomit, <laughs> I guess. Um... Yeah, and Burgess is big in some parts of the world, but can cause conflict. So, Ronnie has done home tests using a hot needle to see if it melted. Now, would you do that? Because then you're, you know, that might be like 30 quid. He's burnt using that hot needle, just (laughs) making that little hole to see if it melted. He's wasting his own money. I, I, I just... I find it astounding that he's, he's convinced, but experts are telling him, no, it's, it's not, it's, it's oil, but he's, no, it's whale vomit, I'm telling you, it's whale vomit. I bet his wife was delighted when he took it home, it smells like horse manure.
1: I just, I I love people who are so, they're just, they're so sure, you know what I mean, and they just won't be told. (laughs) Like, it doesn't matter who tells them, experts, professionals, not, (laughs) I'm absolutely convinced that this is exactly what I think it is.
0: No, it's 100%. But he knew as soon as he saw it, absolutely. He knew exactly what it was, but then he decided to leave it. He's effectively found 40 grand on the beach and he thought, ah, I'll just leave that. And then he's like, I'll go back and get that, actually. So, um, but yeah, but he's done his home test. So good on you, Ronnie. I hope you, I hope you do sell it. I hope I do read a story in a couple of months time, a follow up that he has sold this for 40 grand. Yeah, me too. But I, did yeah,
1: do. I doubt it. Yeah, I I think he'll be... I don't know if we'll hear from Ronnie again, un- unless he finds something else on the beach. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Think, no, con- I don't think so. But he's convinced there's something valuable, <laughs> you
0: know? Yeah. Aye, I found this uh, rare snake skin, <laughs> and it's got some venom in the end as well. Um, you know, so I The lad says it's just a used <laughs> Johnny, but I'm convinced that it's for this <laughs> rare snake that you only get in Africa. Yeah, <laughs> That's come here to st- fight. I've stuck a hot needle in it. You know, well, someone certainly has. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sure. Oh dear. <laughs> I wonder if he's got a, a home lab test for that. Yeah. Anyway, good luck, Ronnie. I hope you get your money. Me too.
1: Um, What else have you seen this week? Well, a few weeks ago, sadly, we lost former Scotland boss and uh, Dundee chanter Craig Brown And uh, a sports journalist for the Daily Star in Scotland has unearthed uh, or or brought to attention uh, a a very funny phone-in uh, that Craig attended a few years ago, so I'm, go- I'm going to read it out. So the late ex-Scotland boss Craig Brown found himself at the centre of f- of football's funniest phone-in call ever. Uh, following the news of uh, Mr Brown's passing, we look back on the greatest football phone-in of all time regarding Brown's supposed failure to select goalkeeper Antti Nemi <laughs> in his Scotland squad. <laughs> uh, Brown managed Scotland from 1993 until 2001, during which uh, time he led his country to the 1998 World Cup final, the last time Scotland qualified for the final. But Brown's team selection was questioned during a phone-in on Talksport, as one Hearts fan asked why goalkeeper Anti was it Anti yeah, Nemi hadn't been selected, ensuring one of the funniest phone fo- yeah, Nemi. Nemi sorry ensuring ensuring one of the funniest phone-ins of all time. Uh, the the questions Namie's inclusion in the sub-Scotland squad left presenter Arthur Albaston confused, sure to Nemi being a fully-fledged Finland international and racking up 67 caps between 1992 and 2007. He's Finnish," replied Albaston, before the, call- the caller comically argued back, "He's not Finnish. He's 28." <laughs> Uh, <laughs> the viral clip has been viewed millions of times, uh, even by Nimi himself, um, who's told the Daily Star that he didn't find the clip funny anymore after being sent it thousands of times. He said, It was funny, of course it was funny, but I thought it must be a wind-up. I thought, this can't be serious. Whoever was presenting the programme, I was thinking, don't argue with him, he's obviously not serious. A lot of people bought it and I still get messages from people every year saying, have you heard about this? I'm like, yes, a thousand times and it's not funny anymore. Despite the flawless and convincing delivery a Hearts fan called Keith revealed himself as a culprit and admitted he didn't actually think Naimi should be in the Scotland squad. He was just out on a wind-up. But the incredible story goes full circle after the prankster and Naimi have actually met and spoke about the call. Naimi revealed I actually went and we spent Christmas a couple of years ago with a family in Edinburgh and I went (laughs) to a Hearts game. Wow. He said, uh, a guy came to me before the game and said, have you heard about this call and I said yes thinking here we go again but he said it was me (laughs) but he said to me it was actually his good friend who made the phone call and I actually spoke to the guy who made the call over the phone he explained to me that it was just a wind-up he never thought it would go through and he kind of got scared afterwards thinking oh my god what have I done it was a good joke but it was never meant to be that big so it's a funny story but not true do you remember that when it was in the news I sort of vaguely remember it being in the
0: yeah I do it's it's such a famous clip but yeah I remember. that at the time and uh, yeah I've heard it so many times constantly it's played I think a lot of times on Off the Ball and um, yeah I've heard it mentioned a lot but yeah it's brilliant <laughs> absolutely brilliant just the he's finished he's still finished he's 20 28 28 fantastic
1: so uh yeah so yeah sad news about uh craig brown He was a he was a real character so
0: it was- it's funny you've mentioned that because when you said i've got an article about craig brown um from the the daily star <laughs> um i thought it was it was the other article oh. in the Daily Star. Uh, that I'd, I'd seen, which I've pulled up. It's not my second news story, but it was the uh, about, I mean, the headline is Craig Brown earned Shaggar nickname as Scotland <laughs> boss. Bear in mind, this is about three days after he'd passed away and they're printing this. And it just goes into the detail. And I, there's just, there's two paragraphs that are just fucking hilarious. So it starts off, Former Scotland boss Craig Brown was once given the nickname Shagger by the Tartan Army. You could tell they were delighted with this little little section. During his spell in charge of Scotland between 1993 and 2001, Brown was caught playing keepy-uppy with three women in 1999. <laughs> the busy bedhopper managed to satisfy his partner of two decades... At the same time as romping with a teacher and a nurse, <laughs> and then it goes into detail. But I remember yeah, that when he I was remember. caught, like, I remember shagging about. But uh, yeah, oh, that's brilliant. I mean, yeah, very sad loss about uh, old Pa Brune. He was, um, yeah, he was a great man. Absolutely wonderful man And uh, sadly missed And an uh, absolutely fantastic Scotland manager mm. And a, a pretty decent Aberdeen manager For a little period as well Yeah, you know, Effectively saved us From relegation So he was um, Yeah he was very well thought of And then even when he Left the position as manager He stayed on as like Club ambassador Until yeah. The day yeah. he
1: died. Yep, it's um, it's always one of the bittersweet things when a character like Craig, like Craig Brown passes away. So it's obviously very sad that they passed away, but it's good when all their old peers and friends come out to tell all the funny stories and share their memories and things about the time they spent with them and stuff. Yeah, know?
0: God bless him.
1: Anyway, that's my second story this week. Which your which your next one? Uh my next
0: story comes from the Glasgow Times uh, this week, Greg. Well, in fact, today actually. I, I, I will give away the date because it'll give away how early we're recording (laughs) this because, of course, you're you're going away on holidays. We're banking a few episodes. But um, let's just say we're still in kind of the middle of July, effectively. Um, So from the Glasgow Times, a Rangers fan who threw a missile at a police car has been banned from football matches for eight years. Mark Cumming, 25, was told by a sheriff that he cannot be trusted to attend games following his third ban. Cumming formed part of a group of Rangers diehards, the Union Bears, outside Ibrox on September the 17th, 2022. He threw a boiled sweet at a police vehicle (laughs) during a mass disturbance after a match against Dundee United. So not a missile, a boiled sweet. He initially told officers he was not part of the group. But during a search, he was found to be wearing a Union Bears t-shirt. Cumming and his twin brother, Dean, were branded by another sheriff as a disgrace to Rangers football club in 2016 after they ran onto the pitch following the Scottish Cup final against Hibernian, which I doesn't mention in this article, but they lost that. So that's why Mm. they probably ran onto the pitch, because they lost that to a last-minute goal. Um, Anyway, um, Cumming of the city's Easter house was... um, Stated to have acted in an aggressive manner Towards the opposition fans at the time He pleaded guilty at Glasgow Sheriff Court To this latest charge of breach of the peace The court heard that police were alerted To a large-scale disturbance involving the Union Bears On Broomland Road at 4.50pm Prosecutor Ryan Diamond said The Union Bears are understood to be a football casual group (laughs) who are known to the police, who regularly engage in disorder and violence with rival fans and other Rangers fans. Around 50 people in dark-coloured tracksuits, many wearing scarves and hoods to conceal their identity, were noted at the scene. Officers attempted to contain the group. Cumming was seen to jump into the area and throw an object on the front offside window of a public order carrier. <laughs> he tried to make good his escape, running north, but was tripped up by an officer and and taken t- and taken to the prone position and arrested. <laughs> uh, Cumming was taken into custody and he denied any knowledge of the Union Bears. I mean, come on, denied any knowledge <laughs> of them. However, whilst he was being searched, he was found to be wearing a t-shirt bearing the words, Union Bears, no surrender. <laughs> he, was, <laughs> he later admitted to being part of the group. Um... <laughs> Uh, Douglas McAllister, defending, told the court that, um, uh, yeah, it was very similar to previous convictions from five and six years ago. The lawyer added he described himself as being mildly intoxicated, which is no excuse. The missile he threw was a boiled sweet from his pocket. Officers should not face this during their employment. <laughs> uh, Cummings was fined at £450 and tagged for 245 days keeping him indoors between 8pm and 7am as well as the Lantley football ban Uh, the Sheriff Valerie Mays said if you breach this order there will be only one outcome you committed these offences and after only a couple of months after your previous football ban came to an end you simply cannot be trusted to go to a football match. So, I mean, it's a bit extreme. He threw a boiled sweet at a police car. However, obviously, it's not his first offence. Um, it's not his first bon-bon rodeo, or it's not really a boiled sweet. Is that a bon-bon? No. Bon? no, it's not. Um, so, it's not his first rodeo. So, yeah, it's fair enough. But, Jesus, yeah, eight-year ban. He won't be, um... Christ, Rangers will go bust again before <laughs> he gets
1: to go back. Yeah, they called something else. <laughs> Third name. I, remember, um, when I I don't know if I've told this story on the podcast before But uh, before I moved to the Middle East I was uh, helping my friend out uh, Working at the Hard Rock Cafe in Buchanan Street in Glasgow And uh, I used to get the train back and forth And one Sunday, it must have been a, like a cup game or something But um, like Rangers and Celtic were, had played that day So I finished work about five And I was walking up to the train station It was absolutely tilting down with rain, like absolutely chucking it down. And there was uh I guess one of the drains was blocked. Um, because there was like one there was one of these sort of dynarod companies there, but they were called Home Masters. So they're there doing their work because one of the guys, one of the workies is sitting in the front seat of the car, and this the young Rangers fan is pretty pissed. He comes up and I see him walking over to the van and he chaps in the window. <laughs> the guy, guy winds his window down, says, What is it? And he says, I'm a hole master and all <laughs> <laughs> the, the guy in the workman's like the, 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 the workman's like very good son winds his window up and the young guy's like
0: yeah
1: <laughs> probably gets that every yeah. day <laughs> who do you name your company whole masters <laughs> Well, you're just asking for it. They're, they're obviously masters of unblocking holes.
0: <laughs> yeah, I know, but you're just asking for it if you're calling yourself that hole master, Jesus. I mean, I tell you, we'll be speaking about a hole master later on when we come <laughs> to uh, what we're going to be talking about later on today. Yeah. But um, <laughs> Jesus, you're just asking for we definitely it definitely
1: will. I mean, like it's funny because like sometimes things like that are you see things you see some things like that out here, whereas if if you saw some like hole master, like it might be a bit sort of tongue in cheek because it's a sort it's a it's a memorable name. It's maybe been chosen to be evocative. But here in Dubai, I was walking on JBR a few months ago, uh, and there is a, a new ice cream stall, and it's called Gobble Me Good. <laughs> <laughs> me and my uh, me and my colleague, who's also from Glasgow, had, were walking along laughing like two little bloody schoolgirls at it. <laughs> it's hilarious I
0: don't know if I ever told you or mentioned it there's a a, a wrestling podcast I listen to and they, they often have people write in and the, the there was a famous wrestling angle back in like the 90s where this character the gobbledygooker <laughs> was yeah you know, hatched out of an egg yeah. and yes wrestling and there's someone that someone that regularly phones into that show and they use the nickname Giza gobbledygooker <laughs> and it makes me Laugh every time. It's <laughs> <That's> funny. <laughs> um, I, I saw a photo actually. There's a new, um, a new burger restaurant opened. I think it's it's somewhere just outside Amsterdam. And it, genuinely, they've used the name. And this was the name of the burger restaurant in League of Gentlemen. Right. And I don't know if they've done that intentionally or if it's just a loss in translation. But it's called Burger Me. <laughs> and I'm just like that's. <laughs> it's brilliant yeah. good on you <laughs> oh dear. yeah um, i remember this the scandal I, in fact what do they go by now you, you're probably familiar with them but there was a, a a handyman company in dubai and they were very good it was a british run handyman company i used them quite a few mm. times and they were called jim will fix it <laughs> and their van their van had the big jim will fix it logo when you rang up and were on hold they would play the jim will fix it <laughs> theme tune right and they had radio ads jim will fix it jim will fix it you know, it was brilliant and everyone knew jim will fix it because it was it, it was kind of to target yeah, expats yeah. and everyone british obviously knew jim will fix it and was like, oh yeah he's jim will fix it oh yeah, jim will fix yeah. it they're brilliant and then obviously the news story started <laughs> okay. the scandal started and they I, I think they kept i think they changed their name to jim will fix it <laughs> They dropped the the theme tune when you phoned up, and but yeah, I wonder if they're still going or if they've they're called something
1: completely different. Have a look, Um, yeah. Cue a bit of hasty (laughs) rebranding after the news breaks. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. I always wonder about that. Like people that have got that name, like not so much a company, but I always wonder. Like you know, back in the early nineties, how many people in the UK were probably called Fred West. And yeah. then had to be like, ah, are you taking the piss? Their names, oh, I'll actually go for a job interview. which your name? Fred West. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck's yeah. sake. You're going to have to change <laughs> it there. No.
1: Anyway. What is it about people from Glasgow causing chaos with confectionery? Because <laughs> we know somebody <laughs> from Glasgow. We do indeed, Yeah, Who claims to have called, caused it. a bit of chaos with confectionery. Yeah,
0: yeah, it certainly does. Um, I don't think we'll go into that, though. But yeah, you're right. <laughs> Uh, it's quite a yeah,
1: west of Scotland, a west coast a, a lot west of, trouble. of Scotland thing
0: It must mm. be, yeah, there must be something I mean, that's like something you would read at a Scots spot <laughs> yeah. You know, the um, boiled sweet <laughs> thrown at the car Maybe that's where you got the inspiration from We saw Jack getting pelted with morning rolls and donuts, So he thought, I'll throw a boiled sweet at the car Never mind, oh well um, Okay, have you seen anything else in the news this week? Nope, Rick. that's your whack. <clears throat> that's for whack, okay. Right, well, before we go into what we're talking about on the podcast today, let's have a little word from our sponsors. And our sponsors are Doric Skateboards, a skateboard brand created by Gary Kemp, whose main focus is to explore the people and culture of Aberdeen and the northeast of Scotland. To create designs that reflect life in that area, Doric Skateboards screen print their own decks in the studio by Gary's Fairhand, and they produce some amazing designs over the years, including an Annie Lennox inspired board, a Robert the Bruce deck and a plenty of pop deck inspired by the old Bonacord trucks that used to drive around Aberdeen delivering fizzy drinks. Doric skateboards also replicate these amazing designs onto their clothing on 100% organic cotton tees, hoodies and sweatshirts, and you can fill your boots on stickers, pin badges and beanies as well. And baseball caps as well, I've just seen these added. Uh, Gary regularly collaborates with local artists to ensure he brings latest designs to the market, but always with a Doric twist, including his latest design, the Northfield Tower design. So check out Doric Skateboards for yourself on DoricSkateboards.com and follow them on Instagram at Doric Skateboards to see these amazing designs for yourself. And we are delighted to be able to offer you 15% off as listeners to this podcast. All you need to do is head to DoricSkateboards.com and have a look at the amazing decks, stickers, badges, hoodies, tees and everything else on offer. And enter the promo code SWALLY. That's S-W-A-L-L-Y. Same as the name of this podcast, all in block capitals, and get your 15% off. That's DoritSkateboards.com
1: So even though his name is Gaddy Kemp, he's nothing to do with Spandau Valley, but to cut a long story short, it's true, his products are gold. Yes! <laughs> How long have you been sitting on that? Just a few minutes. <laughs> I was, I was, I was, I was trying to see if I could, if I could sort of, if I could kind of crowbar in across the barricades as well. But I think that was the only three I could think of. It's through the barricades oh, anyway. It's through so. the barricades. Yeah. <laughs> I know my yeah, spine badly.
0: Yeah. <laughs> okay, Greg. So it was your choice on the podcast this week, and I joked to you earlier that I was going to probably have to do a lot of editing on this episode because we're going to be talking about some rude things. <laughs> I, I, however, little did I realize going to have to do a lot of editing to cut out your cat, or your pussy I should say, maybe, for, for sticking with the rude <laughs> things. However... It was your choice this week, so why don't you tell us what we're going to be discussing on The Swally today?
1: So uh, celebrating its 20th anniversary this year, which it doesn't seem that long ago since it came out, I've chosen the movie Young Adam, um, based on the novel by Alexander Troche, directed by David Mackenzie and starring Hugh McGregor, Peter Mullen. Tilda Swinton and the lovely, lovely Emily Mortimer. It tells the story of Joe, uh, played by McGregor, a young drifter working and living on a barge with a family. And he basically shags every woman that he comes into contact with. (laughs) Every single one. Every woman. (laughs) Every single one. So, now I remember when this movie came out, and I was living in Glasgow at the time, it was quite anticipated, it was quite a highly anticipated film, and, like, I've mentioned the podcast before, I I, I used to, I don't really know him anymore, but I used to know Rory McCann, eh, the actor, and we knew that he was going to be in this, my flatmate and I, who was actually better friends with Rory, he knew him a lot better than I did. So we're quite keen to see it, not that keen that we went to see it at the cinema, <laughs> but we watched. <laughs> we got the DVD. Out <laughs> The DVD out the out the out of Blockbuster or whatever when it came out, and put Rory's only in it for like like blink and you'll miss him, you know. And then he gets killed off off screen. So my, my I remember my flatmate just not enjoying it and actually just sort of giving up halfway through and going to bed. Um, I I persevered to the end, and I don't I mean I I remember not really being that blown away by it because that was the only time I've ever watched it. Until watching it for the podcast today, and watching it in twenty twenty three as opposed to two thousand and three, I actually enjoyed it a lot more. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> not for the reasons I can see your eyes widening. Um, not for the reasons that you're thinking. Um, well, for how long have you been home alone now? By <laughs> yeah, this point? Maybe that's what Well, maybe some of the reasons that you're thinking. But no, I think I um, I, did, I did I did genuinely enjoy it um, for the right reasons. But what about you? Had you seen this before? No, first right. time.
0: I was aware mm. of it, and I knew. Um, who was in it. I knew you, McGregor yeah. was in it. And, but I, I think I often get this and, perfect sense mixed up and I had not seen either of them but I know they're, they're both by the same director they both are Ewan mm. McGregor and uh, yeah kind of thing so I had never seen it and I, I wasn't actually quite sure about the story mm. of, of what it was so I, I kind of made sure I didn't read too much into it before I watched it so I went in blind um, yeah it's I mean my first note I've written down is and it could be because my wife's been watching a lot of Friends again recently like if this was a Friends episode it would be called the one where Ewan McGregor fucks every female character and smokes loads and that's kind of all he does he just shags and smokes and reads it, it seems to be in the in this yeah. film and eats yeah. yeah eats what eats Tilda swel- swelten out on a towpath yeah is no. that what he's eating I didn't
1: say eats I said reads he's always reading oh reads I thought, I thought he said eats <laughs>
0: um, yeah he is always reading yeah um you know something? I, I like this film and I can't work out why. <laughs> Do you know what? I, I've tried to think about this. I actually enjoyed yeah. it and I can't work out why I enjoyed it. Is it because I liked all the cast? Because they're mm. all great. Like, all of them are great. Great cast. All actors I like. Really good. Even fucking okay, Jackie from the book group. I mean, yeah, young yeah. Jackie and Jackie yeah. are both in this. And brilliant cast. Amazing kind of reveal at the end of another swally favorite that i didn't realize is was in this. It? i was like what the fuck is he yeah. doing in this um is it i mean I, I don't know i genuinely can't understand why i like this film so much but i did enjoy it because it is basically just shagging and <laughs> just answered your own question there <laughs> boat stuff like shagging and boat stuff and I, I don't know it's yeah it's it's weird i mean like mcgregor i think he he delivers a great performance mm. in this and I know you're not really meant to like the character, I, I I presume, because he is a fucking massive dick. I don't mean his massive dick, but <laughs> he is a massive dick yeah. in this film. And I don't think you're meant to like Joe. And no. he doesn't he doesn't say a huge amount either, really. I mean, he's, he's got a couple of slightly longer passive yeah. of speech, but he's not a very likable character. But uh, yeah, I, I can't work out why I, I did kind of like this, but it did have me engaged. And I can only presume it's because I will obviously watch pretty much anything that Ewan McGregor's in I'll watch anything Peter mm-hmm. Mullins in and I'll watch anything Emily Mortimer's <laughs> in as well you know Tilda Swinton I can kind of maybe take her <laughs> leave at times
1: I mean I remember at the time it was quite a big deal that Ewan McGregor uh, was doing this film because you know he'd, he'd had that it was basically like it was about seven years after Trainspotting was released in those seven years he's done Star Wars so he's done two Star Wars films like massive massive Hollywood yeah. films and um, and then he's sort of come back to his his roots really, you know, like independent cinema. The fact that it's also it's set in Scotland as well and it's it's based on a sort of classic, um, kind of beat, uh sort of beat novel by a Scottish um author. It was it was really, really big deal. Mm. You know what I mean? That he, that he was that he was coming back to do it. Um it might be the last well, I suppose maybe Trainspotting and T Two is probably the last sort of Scot- Scotland based movie. A production that he's been in, I guess. I can't think of anything since T Two that he's done. Mm. But I don't. I don't no. think he. I think this was the young Adam was the last one before he did. When did T Two come out? Like two thousand seventeen, something like that.
0: Um, uh, I think he did. He did perfect sense. After right, this, okay.
1: I've not seen that. Um, which is Scottish not based. either. Okay. Um but yeah, no, it was really it was a it was it was a big deal. Um and then, you know, Peter Mullen, his star was pretty high as well, you know, off the back of My Name is Joe, and mm. orphans very much in demand actor. And then I d I don't think I had seen Tilda Swinton in anything before this. She's um and, you know, she's quite eccentric. She she was married to the artist, uh, John Byrne, uh, so artist and playwright, mm. who's quite an eccentric fellow as well. Um, but, yeah, she's... She's 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 great at these kind of unusual characters. Like I always think of her in in the beach, yeah. and there's a bit of there's a bit of an irony there because there's, everyone knows a story about how Ewan McGregor and Danny Boyle fell out because Hugh McGregor expected mm. to be playing a lead in the beach, um, and it was uh, it went to the DiCaprio DiCaprio instead. So of course there's a sex scene between Leo and Tilda Swinton in, in the beach, and mm. then Hugh and finally gets his sex scene with her on the barge, in. <laughs> In Young Adam, but um, but yeah, no, it's um, I think to your point, it, it is the it is the caliber of uh, of actors, you know. Um, I was watching a bit of a making of video on YouTube earlier when um, Peter Mullen was talking about how he came to take the part of Les, and I, him and you um, McGregor knew each other quite well beforehand. And he was, you know, so he was, he said, I was, hmm. you know, I, Ewan McGregor actually sent him the script. So he said, I'm always keen to, hmm. I'm always keen to do anything with Ewan because obviously they'd acted together in um, Spotting. Didn't they? shallow grave, well. yeah. yeah, yeah. And then um, Emily, and then Emily Mortimer, of course. I think this might be the first thing that I had seen em- Emily Mortimer, Mortimer in. Um, and her Scottish accent's really good. Yeah, it's really yeah. good. She,
0: yeah, she is. She's a very good. She actress.
1: even said that when you know when she was when she was asked about it, they said, "Can you do a Scottish accent?" She said she could. but She said, "But I couldn't." It's <laughs> just light to get the Yeah. But yeah, our Scottish accent's great. So to kind of talk about the, I
0: mean, the story of the film, obviously it's it's Ewan McGregor character, Joe, that we open with him seeing this body on the water and he kind of fishes it out. Well, actually, it's Les, Peter Mann's character, that has to mm-hmm. fish it out because Joe's not able to. And you get this weird dynamic between the three, kind of, Joe, Les and his wife Ella, Tilda Swinton, and their their son. They all live on this little barge together. I mean, what do they do on the boat? Do they just... It's like fuel and coal and oil drums, I think, later on, that they're kind of just going up and down and just
1: transporting. And yeah, they're basically just... Selling, I they're basically yeah. just just uh, moving stuff from one place to the other. There's a there's yeah. a bit of an exchange later on um, in the film when Ella, played by Tilda Swinton and says that how that once the fuel crisis is over, um, all this stuff mm. will be getting, be getting moved, moved through, again by trucks. trucks. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I the where, where it's filmed like around like the uh, Fourth Canal and stuff, I'm quite uh, sort of familiar with because the canal goes through Cossette. Um, where I lived when I was a kid. And it goes all the way up to Falkirk, all the way up to Edinburgh. That's the canal that I fell through the ice into when I was a kid. Oh, wow. My father was trying to demonstrate the dangers of walking on the ice by having us walking on the ice. (laughs) And then uh, he wanted to show me how how deep the canal was by trying to smash a stick through the ice that we were standing on. Luckily, we were near the edge and we were able to scramble out. um, And it it wasn't too far to walk... um, Backed to the house, um. So, uh. But yeah. So, but yeah. I mean, it's it's all quite. I and mean, the thing is, always. I know that I've made. Well, what struck me watching the film, um, today, the the, the film is set in the in the late nineteen fifties in Glasgow. Now, when they recreate mm. or, or, or as they've recreated the time, if you know, there's a lot going on in the screen. There's quite a lot of the old fashioned buses on the screen. You know, a, a mm. lot of extras. Yeah. You know, they've obviously managed to find some some uh streets in glasgow that are perhaps a little unchanged since or or aesthetically much the same as they were back in the time and and it feels like there's it feels like Hmm. there's a lot of money on the screen did you you know what i mean
0: yeah yeah i don't think there was a huge amount of expense spared it does seem that there's a they've gone to a lot of effort to kind of recreate that feel and it's weird because it does feel like it's a late 50s but almost doesn't as well if that makes mm. sense. Like it, it kind of, I never, you know, what, I'm not a big fan of
2: TV films, stuff.
0: effectively pre sixties. Like I'm, I'm not really a big fan of, and it, it didn't take me out of it. I didn't really feel that I was watching a film set in the fifties. If, if you know what I yeah, mean. Yeah.
1: I mean, I suppose it's your attention sort of taken by the, the way of life that they live. Um, You know, mm. Ella, Les and Joe and uh, in the, in the wee boy on the boat. You know, like a a a lot of the film is just the routine of their work. You know, like loading the yeah. barge, unloading the barge, working the the locks on the canals. Um, you know, having a meal, having a cup of tea. <laughs> you know, going to the pub. It's like you know, it's just having sex and the, the towpath. <laughs> it's just it's a lot of um just just regular, just regular stuff. Yeah, yeah. But really routine stuff. It's um. I don't, I mean, the, the thing, the, the whole pacing of the film, it's, though, know, I, I mean, I think in other hands, it might come across as a little slow, but I, th- I think it's more of a kind of, it's more of a patience that it has. You know what I mean? Mm. It's just, lets things unfold.
0: Yeah, I, I, I agree with you on that. It, I I didn't actually think at any point that, God, this is slow. Mm. It's because you're kind of absorbed and like again, I put that down to the actors, the I'm happy to spend time Mm -hmm. with these guys. I'm happy to watch. I want to know what's happening. I also think it's, it's maybe partly the fact that this film is, you know, it's told out of a linear way. It's it's out of sequence. And I, I mean, I love films that are out of sequence. And I I think that really helps with demanding your attention because you have to pay attention and you have to think, right, when's, when's this? Mm. And there were a couple of points at this film that I'm thinking, right, when is this before? or after? Okay. Right. No, got it. Um, And it creates this really uneasy feeling because you kind of know what's going to happen, but you just haven't put all the pieces of the puzzle together yet. And you haven't quite worked out like, okay, so how does that happen? How did, so so, where's this? And I think that's why it kind of, it didn't really feel slow to me and kind of grabbed my attention as such. Because you have the mundane life of, uh, of them on the boat, but then it obviously turns out that Joe and Ella are shagging behind mm. Les's back. And and that's just, you know, you're wondering how long has this been mm. going on? And is is that the first time when they, they did it on the towpath? Because I'm not sure, because he's making advances towards yeah. her. And that wasn't what I was expecting initially, because when she's looking at him kind of suspiciously, when they're taking away the body that they have fished out the water, I'm thinking, okay, does she know something that, yeah. you know, that, that we don't? as such does she think he's he's guilty of this he's done this but as it turns out you know she doesn't because the body they they fish out the water is kathy um emily mortimer's character who was joe's girlfriend for for a while and and although he didn't kill her it she fell into the water when he was there and that's kind of the the the, as the story unfolds you you're finding out these parts and, and through kind of flashbacks and through little bits and pieces so um It wasn't until, you know, that happens, I I genuinely thought at the moment, oh, what's happened? You know, he's obviously, has he killed Mm -hmm. this woman? Do they know? Did they do it together? Is it some sort of sex game gone wrong? Um, But yeah, it's, you know, did she not want to lay on the towpath with them? (laughs) Did did she not get an egg <laughs> what's what's going well, on it's well, it's but you but know. that's the
1: thing like at the beginning of the film you know they got, just after joe and Les have have sort of fished Kathy out and the police have taken the body away and everything and uh, joe comes down they're already and they're, they're already eating and you i sort of get the feeling that she mm. she she doesn't like him you know, she's she doesn't like him. She doesn't trust yeah. him. But you know, she she says, "There's he said, oh, you know, can I get an egg?" And she says, "Oh, there's no eggs. Um, oh, she, said, I forgot to buy eggs." But then he sees that there's a little bit of egg yolk on Leslie's plate, and you're thinking, "Oh, you know, mm-hmm. why? Is, because the when when it." The story moves back. It's not you don't really realise it first, you know. Like so, when he meets Kathy for when mm. he's thinking back to when he meets Kathy for the first time, there's no sort of sign that this is a flashback. You just think, I just think, oh, he must yeah. be, he must have a day off and he's gone for a walk on the beach. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm. And then you know, like you sort of see the beginning of their relationship, and then you see the very end of it, the the end being her falling into the water. But then there's some other flashbacks that are out of sequence as well. When he's thinking back yeah. when they're when they're sharing the flat together and there's the scene when he when he humiliates her with the custard and stuff. You know, they they, they go to the that most romantic of places to make love under a lorry <laughs> in the gravel. <laughs>
0: now, I mean we'll speak about the sex scenes later on, but I mean that was one in particular that I was like, this isn't erotic to me. All I could think when I was watching that is that just looks painful with all the gravel. And then I I did think, like, you know, don't get me wrong, if I was single and Emily Mortar asked me to to reenact that scene, (laughs) I'd happily (laughs) spend the next day applying Savlon to my knees and thighs because of all the gravel <laughs> burns. But it, it, it just didn't look very no. erotic to me. It just looked quite uncomfortable.
1: Yeah, it's I mean, I don't think any of the none of the sex in the film is particularly erotic, really. It's so it's it's all about know. it's sort of portrayed as being a bit sordid because of the the sort of clandestine nature of uh Joe and Ella's relationship. And it leads to him like having a bloody knee trembler in an alley with Ella's sister. There's nothing erotic there. And then the he ends up with the, with his new landlord's wife the, in the last act of the film. and there's just there's just nothing very it's all a bit sordid because it's all because you know that you know with, with the exception of I guess the scene under the lorry, you know that they're not supposed to be having sex like you know that he's not supposed to be having sex with these women and yeah. all the other encounters. It's because he's behind someone's back or whatever.
0: I don't think it's it's meant to be erotic mm. as such, though. I think it is meant to be portrayed in that way. What gave it away for me is that scene you've just said when he is shagging Ella's sister Gwen in an alleyway, taking her from behind. And for a part of that scene, a lot of the focus is on his half-smoked roll-up that is just sitting on the ledge. <laughs> of yeah. the alley and it's not even half burnt down by the time he's finished in fact gwen picks it up and takes a drag out of it and that shows to me the how how sort of perfunctory yeah. and you know how just quick and it, it's not meant to be a an erotic kind of thing it's it, it kind of in a weird way it just shows sex is just a apart from one scene in particular which we will come on to the he said when he humiliates her i mean i can't work out if he rapes her or if She's going along with it, with with the custard and ketchup and stuff, but it it doesn't make yeah the sex seem appealing no. at all. It's 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 just not nice. I mean, at one point we see a fly yeah. land on Ella's <laughs> tit, and it's a close up of just a fly in her nipple. I mean, talk about taking any erotic yeah. things out of you know a scene by seeing that. So I wonder if if that is done on purpose for this, to show kind of the, yeah. you know, it's not meant to be, you're not meant to be enjoying like this. Less,
1: less so. the Red Shoe Diaries, more the Tackety Boot Diaries. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> Tackety <laughs> um, Yeah, it's, um, and then with Joe himself. So, you know, I, I I was sort of going through the film thinking, well, is he... Is he a bit of a sociopath because he doesn't seem to care about anybody, you know, like at all? Like when, when young James, uh, Ellen, there's his wee boy falls in the falls into the canal when he's he's trying to get a. Bucket of water and it, it sort of drags him in. He, he dives in to get him, and even when he, even when they they're sort of standing at the side of the canal and Ella's got a towel around James and everything, there's just like she's very emotional, and he and and, and, and Joe isn't at all. And then it's, it's not until towards the end of the film when he feels like when he it looks as well it doesn't look like, like Daniel has been uh, wrongly convicted of murdering Kathy that he tries to do. Something sort of redeeming mm. he can live with uh, like sleeping with other men's wives behind their back and ruining marriages. He can live with like his ex-girlfriend falling and drowning in the canal like to the point where he even burns her picture and everything and throws a mirror that she gave him away. but like some someone getting sentenced to death for a crime that wasn't that nobody committed that was just an accident is what he can't live with. You know, you just think if he can live with all those other things, that he wouldn't. It was would just we wouldn't be that bothered about um, about what was going to happen to this guy.
0: Yeah, that's very true. Um, yeah, I mean, I thought it was made very clear that he's a complete sociopath. It's it, it summed up for me in the scene towards the end of the film where he meets Les for the first time, and he's thrown his typewriter in the water. And Les, you know, what did you do that for? Oh, I've no yeah. use for it, yeah, but it might, must be worth something. I yeah, not yeah. to me and that shows just complete disregard for anything you know be it a typewriter be it a mm. human being be it people's feelings you know when he goes up to to speak to les after they know they've been caught having the affair he's just kind of like i'm sorry you know it was a it was a mistake yeah. it wasn't meant to happen i'm sorry lies
2: it just happened it was nothing personal against you. I should kick your fucking head in. I won't fight you, Les. Hit me if you think it'll make you feel better. What about my son? Did you think what was gonna to happen to my son while you were fucking my wife? It wasn't like that. Were you like Joe? What was it like? Look, I'll get my stuff. I'll leave you to sort it out with Ella. It's her fucking barge! I'll go.
0: There's no feeling of guilt. I mean, in fact, that is a, one of the best scenes of the film, I think, when they wake up. I mean, they've had sex. Then they've obviously maybe had a little snooze. Then Joe does say, oh, I better go because Les will be back in a minute. And Ellis says, no, you'll, you'll be a while yet. And then she wanks him <laughs> off. They obviously fall asleep <laughs> again. And then they know they can hear Les upstairs. And rather than like panic of, oh, shit, what do we do? They yeah, just lie yeah. there kind of discussing, right, well, he obviously knows. Ah, oh, right, right. And they had Joe as a fan, yeah, yeah. and <laughs> before he decides to go up, and he's like, "Wow, just the relaxed, casual manner of this—you've just ruined this man's life."
1: Yeah, and you f- you feel for Les because you know he he mm. before he finds out, he he obviously wants to have a. Relationship with Joe, you know what I mean, like in, in the sense, like, you know, yeah. like they're the, the friends, you know, in in, in his mind, yep. him and Joe are friends, you know. Come on, we're we'll going to a game of darts. Do you want to come to the pictures? Do you want to go, will we go to the fair, you know, and everything. And even and even when you know they it comes out and they and Les kind of confronts or Joe confronts Les really to. Apologise and you know Try and sort of smooth it over He's just kind of, he's angry and upset But he, he just kind of walks away from it You know, and yeah. the scene when he comes yeah, the, 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 right. the scene when he comes back To get his stuff is sort, you know, it's just He's kind of just talking about the case and everything he's, he, he, the, the last thing he wants to talk about mm. is, is what's going to happen next Between him and, and Ella He's talking about, you know, I've, I've been asked to go And be a witness, they, they, they only needed one of us And all this kind of thing you know, you, you you feel really sorry for him because he's 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 sort of yeah. You know, he's, he's he's and he's he's probably like, him and Kathy are really like the only two sympathetic characters in the yeah. film. But then you. But then Completely. you know Kathy sort of degrades herself a bit with you know with Joe before she dies. Mm. You, you know, like Ella's you know she's not very nice. She's she, she's not even even very nice to the wee boy. You know, she's really impatient with him, and no. she's impatient with Les. And you know, she's even she's just, she, you start to see it coming out again with Joe. And as soon as it does, he's like Right him away. <laughs> you know, he's fucking moving on. Yeah. Find another another landlady to rattle. <clears throat> <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, I'd written that down that I felt
0: really bad for Les because he does seem to, to really like Joe. I mean, he, he takes him in, gives him a job. It's exactly as you said, he's always asking him if he wants to go to the darts, wants to go and put to the pub, go to the pictures, fun fair. He's, you know, the scene where they're, they're covered in dirt and it's Les that's washing Joe's back and, and cleaning yeah. him and... You know making sure he's clean first when they're having a all having a shade a bath he's letting him go first and have the bath first it's he's a genuinely nice guy and genuinely kind okay he likes a drink yeah. and he's maybe got a little bit of erectile dysfunction because yeah, yeah. of that so joe's got to step in and service ella but like a really nice guy and just kind of like an enthusiastic you know he's in the pub and yeah reading the paper and saying to the guys oh we found the body we found the body he keeps going on yeah. about it you know we found the body but you yeah, would yeah. that's the that's the reaction you would <laughs> have when you're in the pub and oh she was naked i love that when the barman's like when he's reading it out you know just in a petticoat you said she was naked oh, it's good as it. it was translucent you know you, you kind of it was good as naked
2: there we are the body of a dead woman was found in the river clyde early this morning the woman was wearing only a thin petticoat so far she is unidentified police are i thought you me. said she was naked the same thing these slips so transparent I've got a bit of a headache, I'm gonna head back to the barge. What about the game of that? Another time.
0: Just a really nice character. And I think that's that's part of what they do. You you do feel mm. bad for him. Like when he sees the fun fair and he's like, Oh, do you wanna go, do you wanna go? And it he's so excited. Yeah. You know, and when he's he's showing um uh, James the, the J- James, mm-hmm. the son. Uh or Jim, Jim yeah the son. Um Jim, sorry. When he's showing him, you know, about the, the kind of rolling the coins down the thing you know and he's I always win I always win I know how to to work this and he's just such an enthusiastic lovely character and that's why you're like Joe you're a fucking dick for Doing mm. this to him, and, you know, and he just wants to sit with his his wife and his kid, play his guitar, yeah. have a drink, yeah, go to the fair, and enjoy himself. Yeah.
1: I mean, do you think the do you think these guys? I mean, imagine that these old bargemen, yeah, you know, it probably was a relatively common thing to find a dead body in the. In the water You know what I mean Yeah probably I'd imagine so
0: Yeah Especially the client. Yeah yeah. Yeah, I would have have definitely
1: Because he he, he, he keeps saying The stiff Which makes it sound like It's not the first time He's encountered a dead body Mm. You know Or it's, it's, it's bravado You know I don't know
0: no, I think at the it's kind of in the opening scene when you see Joe's obviously struggling to, to fish her in. And we know later on, obviously, mm-hmm. why he's probably struggling. But for Les, it's just like, not second nature, but yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? He just kind of, it's like, give me here, and he pulls her in, yeah. gets her up. And to be fair, it is Joe. that's like, well, you better cover mm-hmm. her. Maybe Les is wanting to have a look through the translucent... <laughs> yeah nightgown yeah yeah and then he's obviously you better call an ambulance think, it's a bit <laughs> late for that I think yeah. you know would you not just call the police but yeah eventually they turn up
1: yeah it's um, so I think probably we should talk about Emily Mortimer so I mean uh, was and is a fantastic actress and beautiful woman yeah. um, you know like she's I, I watched her being interviewed um, she, when she's talking about this film and you know she's like it, it's not every day that you get offered a part like this she said that you know the scenes and things with Ewan, you know, and like the, the, this, she said the mm. scene with the food and everything else. She said, they, they're great scenes to do, you know, they, they're great scenes. She said, well, she's like, you know, they're great scenes to act in, and it's not something that you get, you know, that you, you would get offered every day, you know. Um, But yeah, she, she's really, really good in this. Like, really, really good.
0: Why is she sitting alone on the beach <laughs> yeah, on her no. own? That she is, and I, I'm going to talk about the character, Cathy, but obviously Emily Mortimer, in that opening scene when you see her sitting on the beach. She is so beautiful Mm. and there is not a chance in hell she would be alone there without a swarm of guys around her. And obviously she sees Joe and the kind of flirting glances before he goes over, but she is far too good for him. Like why is it that all these women just succumb to what is it that joe has it's just some sort of magnetic power but she is immediately kind of you know spin Mm -hmm. it would seem and they go for a walk but she's far too good for him she's got a you know good job she's obviously a popular and beautiful woman yeah what's she doing hanging about with this loser for
1: I'm sure when uh, after you know when the body when her body's been identified as being you know her. I'm sure when Peter when Les is reading the article, he says sometime actress. Listen, uh, is it Kathy uh, Digby or something like that? Or I can't remember her second name. Uh, mm. He says sometime actress. So that's something that they don't really. Talk. You don't really appear before or after, you know, because they when no. when we see her and Joe's relationship starting to come to an end, she's working in an office, and when they reconnect, when he bumps into mm. her, she's still working in the same office, and he, you know, that he's yeah. he's obviously. Been trying to pursue some kind of alternative kind of lifestyle. He wants to be a writer, but he can't seem to do it. So he makes so he makes custard mm-hmm. instead. You know, he he talks about going to China. You know, going to see China. And you know, and when she when she finds out that he's um, taken this quite sort of banal, basic job, you know, she's like, "I never thought that you would you would be joining the working classes." You know, you know, he doesn't mm-hmm. want to have kids. He says how he doesn't like kids, so he feels like. Uh, kicking Jim off the boat every day and all that sort of stuff. There's nothing wrong with that though. <laughs> no, not... I'm say, you know, it's whatever it's whatever you want, right? But for the time that the novel's set, it's quite an al- quite an alternative lifestyle where she obviously mm. she's obviously been a participant in that, but has since come round to just sort of craving a bit of normality, you know, like getting married, mm. having a family you know but the fact that she wants to marry him when he's he's like just easily like incredibly dysfunctional and she can obviously see that she can she can see what's wrong with him but you know she she still loves him regardless and still wants to be with
0: him yeah she's obviously smitten with him and i guess but... <sighs> she's okay kind of to let him go really when he says he's going to china but then i guess she In the the period between that and between the time the next meet, she obviously finds out Mm. she's pregnant. And I guess that obviously changes her feeling for him. And then they end up having sex under a truck and um, then she she falls in the water. Now, I know that they allude to it on two occasions prior to that, that she can't swim. Yeah, When they meet on the beach, she says, I don't swim. And then when you see them in the rowing boat, she says, I can't swim. But surely, I mean, I can only presume when she fell in, she hit her head on something, but there's no ledge or anything because there's nothing. There's no flailing, there's no screaming. She just falls and that's it. Drops like a stone and nothing. Now surely you would, even if you can't swim, you will still get your way to the top and you're not going to just sink like oh, a maybe, stone.
1: maybe she's supposed to have been sort of caught by a, an, an undercurrent or something like that because that can happen right and I don't know mm. Just sort of pulled under
0: I don't know I just found that A little bit unbelievable well, The water looks quite calm mm. Doesn't
1: it? But Yeah but Nicky Do you remember the old Public information advert She used to get About water and stuff like, They can Don't go swimming in the quarry There can be strong undercurrents You know Lurking under the water Pull you under There could be like cars yeah. Like old rusty cars And stuff under there That like, you snag your Swimming costume on <laughs> safes for but, the porn you know something, and stuff. I made a note of that, like, because there's a lot of um, there's, a, there's, <laughs> there's, there's, there's a few shots of the bottom of the river, bottom of the canal of like, Joe's stuff, his typewriter, and I thought, how good would it be if there was like a safe full of pornography and condoms here? <laughs> <laughs> I
0: thought about that as well. I did write that thing. I mean, kind of the most feeling you get out of Joe's character I know we're speaking about Emily Mortimer but it's it's when he is effectively explaining quite near the beginning when Les, Ella, and they're on the boat and he's speaking about, in graphic detail, what this woman might have been going yeah. through and undressing on the bridge and jumping into the river and the, the, the level of detail, staring at Ella the whole time that he's he's delivering
2: this speech. I think she went to a bridge fully dressed and stood there breathing the warm night air. And she took off her jacket and folded it neatly on the ground, and then she unbuttoned her blouse, and then undid her brasier, let it drop down on top of the other clothes. and she'd unbuttoned her skirt and let it slip down over her hips. and then she'd unroll her stockings and hold them out so that they blew in the breeze like pennants before she'd let them float off into the night. And she'd shiver and ask herself if she really wanted to go through with this and she'd answer that question by kicking her clothes into the river and hurriedly now she'd take off her garter and her knickers and there she'd be, standing in her petticoat thinking about whatever it was that brought her to this. And then with her petticoat billowing around her, she'd drop into the water like a rose and float there for a moment and be gone.
0: And that's when I thought, okay, because before then we obviously didn't know what the, his relationship with mm-hmm. Kathy, the woman. And that's when I was like, okay, so he definitely knows her. There's something... Yeah happened and I'm, I'm convinced he's killed mm-hmm. her but of course as it turns out he didn't no. kill her but he just didn't yeah. help her Arso. Well
1: he does sort of make a kind of half-hearted attempt he sort of calls after and he looks and he can't see any trace of her so he just throws her clothes in and runs away you know.
0: Yeah but he jumped in the river to help a little boy that he's openly admitted he would happily kick off the boat but he's not gonna jump in to I mean I guess I don't know how he would get out again but there must be a ladder there it's a dock yeah, yeah, there yeah. would be ladders yeah, sure. to get yeah. back on. Like I literally live on Mm-hmm. Doc like exactly the one yeah. in the film and there's ladders everywhere to get back up
1: so he would have been able to yeah yeah I think so but um, i suppose, I don't know i suppose it needs to be the way it is for the, it's the, it's the plot device i guess right um so uh, yeah what's it do it's um the other thing in in this film is the soundtrack is written by in Written performed by David Byrne from Talking Heads. Who comes? How did they get David? Called, Byrne? You know David Byrne was born in East Kilbride. Yeah, but he yeah. was he moved to he moved to America as a little boy. Um, but he's, so he's got a Scottish connections. So,
0: but how did they get David Byrne to compose a soundtrack for Yoon McGregor sixty? Effectively, like. <laughs> It's incredible. But yeah, I was very surprised when um, when I saw that, that David Byrne did the, the music. And I was like, wow, yeah. really? It, the David <laughs>
1: Byrne? It's not like a... David Byrne from Clarkson.
0: Some guy from down the road? Yeah, but no, it was it was the David Byrne. Yeah, I was very impressed yeah. with that. Very impressed. Incredible. <clears throat> Obviously, there's a, a lot of nudity in this. And I did read a review that said, apparently there was, there was quite a lot of... The media was surrounding Ewan McGregor's Full mm-hmm. Frontal nudity and one reviewer of said well but this isn't the first time that he's done full front nudity." No, i don't know it probably isn't the last yeah. time either however it is the first time that he had done full front nudity since he'd played obi-wan kenobi <laughs> and i think that's why it was a big thing mm. because he's playing you know a kid's beloved character and here he is getting his wang right <laughs> now genuinely the scene where they're lying in bed and and Tilda pulls away the blanket. That penis shot is a jump scare that I would compare to anything in any horror film. <laughs> it's Like Hereditary, Blair Witch, anything. Because you're like, oh, it's a bobby. <laughs> it's <laughs> It just leaps out at you and it's right there, right in front and centre. You're like, oh my God, oh, there it is. There it is. Oh, there's his cock. Oh, okay. And um, yeah, it just lingers there, yeah, doesn't it? it. Does.
1: Uncomfortably. Yeah. <laughs> it lingers there uncomfortably, like Tilda Swinton's unshaven armpits. <laughs> <laughs>
0: but um, yeah, I mean, lots of nudity cram-packed in here. And I did read that in the US it got uh, an N17 rating. But the only scene they demanded be take out in order for it to get that rating is the scene where he goes down on oh, really? Ella on the footpath. Yeah. Because even that kind of you don't see anything that's the thing, he just has his head between her legs, but the fact they were depicting oral sex in that way was not well, allowed. By the way, so <laughs> It's okay to have the full frontal nudity. It's okay to have yeah. fly on boob. And it's okay to have the, the scene that we'll probably come on to next, the custard and ketchup and... Is it is it brune sauce right. or chocolate sauce? HP. I wasn't sure. Um, yeah, I thought it was HP, yeah. Um, that sauce, uh, that scene, it's okay for that, but you can't have a guy putting his head between...
1: A woman's well, legs. I mean, the Basic Instinct has Michael Douglas putting his head between Sharon Stone's legs.
0: I don't know. Uh, American Pie has a very similar yeah, scene yeah. of the guy putting his head between Tara yeah. Reid's legs. So I don't understand. And that was like 2001. Uh, no, that would have been like earlier, is not it, American that. Pie? 19... Yeah. yeah. No. So I don't know why that wasn't allowed, but maybe it's because... I, I, I don't mm. know. No, idea.
1: no, I know. I think, but apparently they were like go- the, the American censors were, were going to cut quite a lot of the, um, quite a lot of the uh, nudity and sex scenes out. But Hugh McGregor demanded that they be left in, or else the film would have probably been about fucking ten minutes long. <laughs> used
0: the power of the force to. Uh, you will not take out my penis. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> This is not the penis you are looking for. (laughs) Um, Okay, so the the kind of, probably the most uncomfortable sex scene is involving Kathy and Joe. And... As we said, it, it's when he effectively covers her in custard, ketchup, HP sauce, mm. some sort of... Flour. Sugar. Flour or something. Flour. Yeah. And then I genuinely couldn't work out if Cathy is laughing or crying during this point. Because, I mean, it's uncomfortable to mm. watch. You know, I'm, He's raping her, but... Well, he, be- he beats her first. Is, is she laughing? Is she crying? I don't That's know. That's the thing,
1: because he, he sort of beats her first with a stick, doesn't he? He kind of puts her over his knee. And it's of not course. clear whether yeah. she's sort of into it, because some people are into that, apparently. What um, Emily Mortimer said about it. She said, there's something really liberating about letting it rip and just going for it. There's no way in real life you'll ever be allowed to get up to all of that. I mean, unless you were really into kinky stuff. Um, so yeah, I'm not sure if it's supposed to be, you know, if you know if she's just being submissive or if she's into it or what. But it's, um, yeah, it's, you know, if you were, if you had any sort of doubts about Joe before that scene then I think that's a scene that really hammers home that he's you know he's sort of is sort of narcissistic just in the self-gratification taking what he wants you know what I mean
0: yeah he's uh yeah he's notrci because then he just leaves yeah, her because you they' know,
1: lying in a mess
0: goes off to the pub presumably yeah. comes back and she's cleaned everything up she's in bed and then he just gets undressed and gets into bed and she does kind of cuddle yeah. into him and I'm like okay she she's okay with what just happened yeah. then getting covered in custard and yeah. then getting full of his custard <laughs> it's yeah it's not i don't know i just i just find that quite uncomfortable yeah. No, it is. It is it um is. that scene i wasn't sure no, absolutely peter mullen did say that he i saw an interview with him looking on a red carpet and he did say that he he did the role because he really liked the cast and as you've alluded to before but he said he was disappointed that uh, he didn't have any yeah. sex scenes and then I was like well you kind of did we did see one through the little slats but you couldn't finish mm-hmm. the job
1: yeah I saw him on that thing I watched as well he was saying um, he was saying that um, you know like Ewan has sex in the film uh, Tilda has a lot of sex, Emily has a lot of sex, I don't have any sex because I'm impotent <laughs> so the other thing that's that's discussed in that that, that, that will stop short doc about the making of this film, is that it's not clear why the film is called Young Adam because there's no characters called Adam in it. But the cast all had mm. uh, theories. So what? So one of the, you, you said he thought it, uh, sorry, not you, Gagger, Peter Mullen said he thought it might be to do with Adam and Eve, like or, original sin, mm. etc. But the most surprising theory came from uh, Jack McCone who plays young Jim. So apparently when they're all sitting around talking about it, he said, well, maybe young Adam, maybe Adam is the name of uh, the, the, of Kathy's baby. And all the cast were like, ah. oh, okay. But uh, Tilda Swinton thinks that Alexander Trochey just called it that just to sort of bamboozle people <laughs> and get people talking. I
0: genuinely talking thought, about. I genuinely thought you were going to say the young actor um, said maybe that's the name of Ewan McGregor's <laughs> call, Young <but> Adam. <laughs> I presumed it had something to do with a, a Bible reference and and maybe because something about you know um exactly as you said about sin and sins of the flesh and there's a lot of nudity i I don't know that's what i'd kind of Mm. gathered from from the naming but yeah it did strike me odd i did kind of write down there's there's no adam in it (laughs) and there's um there's no adam but there is a ewan and ewan stewart pops up as the unfortunate boyfriend dan of uh, of Cathy who's just come round to fix our plumbing in more ways than one and ends up finding himself getting sentenced to death by hanging that's a bit of a shame
1: yeah i mean that i mean that whole i mean it's you're sort of you're sort of hoping that he gets that, that he's sort of is found innocent right he's you know he's 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 clearly not maybe not the brightest person you know but he's he's a father of two or four can't remember what it was, um, and um, you know he's this is him now. He's he's, he's you know he's gonna, his kids are going to be left without a dad and everything, and he's not really done anything wrong because they it's just he said that all he ever did was go and walks with her, and she she even says when she's mm. telling Joe that she's met this other guy and she's like you know he's nice but it's not going to work out because he's married and you yeah. know I don't really like him like that you know and stuff. So that you do wonder well. Is it is maybe is Dan just got a bit of an infatuation and she's obviously a bit vulnerable, she's just come out of this relationship with Joe, who's, you know, not a good guy. Um you know, you get the impression that he's intelligent, he's intellectual, he reads all the time and stuff, but yet, you know, the, this poor guy, Dan, is he appears to be sort of the opposite of that. You know, he's hes a tradesman, he's a plumber, he's a family man, he's like a normal guy, you know.
0: Yeah, because they say even in the courtroom, when they do say about the, the signs of sexual activity, and He looks horrified. He's like, no, no. And I I do wonder, exactly as you've said, Kathy says they go for walks and stuff. It maybe just a friendship. Mm. Like it, it was, you know, maybe they both, well, he maybe wanted more, but he hadn't had the chance to yet. But it does sound like, yes, he was effectively cheating on his wife emotionally, probably. But I don't know if there was any physical relationship there, but yet they found fibres of his clothing under her fingernails hmm. and stuff but then I don't know I, I, obviously maybe they meant to because obviously the, the technological advancements weren't yeah. as far now so maybe they just mixed up or something well the thing
1: know. is like they say that the the, the, the fibres could only have come from his clothes, but they, but they do yeah. seem, but they also seem like it's not very, it's not like certain, it's not guaranteed. But you know, it would be unlikely, but you know, it's 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 just it's sort of circumstantial evidence, right? That they're using as mm. um, the sort of condemn him
0: So yeah, hanging an innocent man.
1: Yeah, and they, there's no like I, like I say like the film ends and there's no um, there's no redemption. Really, like, you know, there's there's no redemption for Joe. There's there's no happy ending. He just it's just we just sort of gets, gets someone's <laughs>
0: he got one of those earlier
1: <laughs> from Ella <laughs> yeah it's a film full of happy endings for Joe um, but it's j- just not the happy ending that he wanted you know um, you know it's it's the last sort of three films I've done in- in- including this one have all been uh, evocative films you know what I mean they're they're films that you that you think about and find yourself reflecting on the stuff in your quiet moments. You know, I don't. I don't. That wasn't by design. <laughs> it was you know, going from like Scott Squad into harrowing drama of. Um, for those in peril, into confusing sort of uh, kind of period piece almost of late night shopping into harrowing erotic drama, uh, erotic with a small e of this one. So, goodness knows. I'll have to find something a bit more lighthearted for the next one, I think.
0: Yeah, I think so. Um, and you do think when, like when Joe's, towards the end when he's, the court case is, is coming up and he's left Ella and he goes into the pub and he meets... Stuart McQuarrie's character, who I don't know if he's ever Bill. named, yeah. actually. Um, yeah. Bill, sorry. Um, as as his new prospective landlord. And you need to come home and meet the wife. And my first thought is, how long is it before he pumps his wife? Oh, the first <laughs> night. And, you know, it does not hang around at all. And you're like, for fuck's sake, can you not just... Just give it
1: twenty four hours or something, <laughs> but no. Keep keep young Adam in your in his, in your pants. You know? <laughs> keep young Adam in your pants. <laughs> yeah, and the thing is as well, because like all the way in the the first sort of half of the film, when Les is reading the reading out aloud the paper, uh, reading aloud from the paper about the case and everything, and Joe's always like, yeah, "I'm not interested. I'm not interested. Not interested." And then when it comes to the trial, he's obsessed with it. It seems you know he's. He's going. He's watching. He's going there. He's watching the case. Uh he's what he's watching the sort of the drama in the courtroom and stuff. Um, you know, he's it's it's weird. You know, is is he just sort of feigning disinterest when Les is talking about it to try and sort in case somebody should connect him uh, in some shape or form, or the, or the, does his fascination with it grow the more he thinks? about Cathy and he's reflecting back about Cathy. don't know. Yeah,
0: possibly. It's a very good point. I think it is because he feels mm. guilt and because he's reflecting back. Cause he's always looking in yeah. that mirror and he's always thinking, And but then at the end, when he throws it away, it's almost like, well, it's done. Is it because he doesn't want any reminders of it at all because he's just seen an innocent man? He's tried yeah. to do the right thing. If he really wanted to try and do the right thing, he would have shouted yeah, in court. Yeah, or, or
1: handed himself in or something. Said as he's been... sentenced
0: but he hasn't so i think that's maybe the yeah why he's throwing the mirror away in the end but yeah i i do think it's because he didn't want to know anything but then because once Les goes, he's the one that's kind of, oh, well, to be fair, Ella comes back and says they've arrested mm-hmm. a guy for it. And then he's invested yeah, yeah, yeah. in trying to find out and, and looking at stuff. So maybe it mm-hmm. is because now they've they've found someone. Um, and he does kind of almost say to her, like, you know, but, but maybe he didn't do it. Maybe he didn't, you don't know yeah. what happened there. And it's almost like at that point I thought, is he about to confess And tell her that he was there? But no,
1: obviously no. he doesn't Well, he does say He says He says uh, He says, I could tell you what happened And she just sort of mm. ignores them. You know, yeah. she's like She's not interested really You know, she just thinks that he's I don't know That he's overreacting or whatever um, Have you ever yeah. have, you, have you ever been in court? Right? Uh,
0: yes, once for jury duty yeah. yeah, but I've never actually been Up no, in front no, of a judge No, no, I know <laughs> That's, <laughs> That's not what I meant
1: yeah, I mean, it's so it's like, I mean, I've been, I've done jury duty, and when I was studying journalism at Aberdeen College, we spent a morning in the press boxes in the court. And it's not, it's it's nothing like what you see, like, on films and TV shows. It's, you know what I mean? It's, like, boring. <laughs> it's hell. Yeah. It's, just, it's all procedure yeah. and routine. Um, there's no, like, uh, dramatic revelations or outbursts or monologues or anything. It's just, it's fucking boring. It's
0: <laughs> yeah, I uh, I would agree. I've watched a couple of trials. I mean, remember the O.J. Simpson trial? You know, being yeah, broadcast live. That was quite boring, like for a lot of the time. So yeah, it's all very kind of just general yeah. shite. It's not full of the objections yeah. and um, lots of of wig wearing <laughs> No, it's very administrative.
1: Exactly. That's a good. That's a good. That's a good way. Good good way of putting it. Yeah. Okay. What well, any other points on young, on young Adam, or shall we put shall we put him through our while the awards I can't say young ad I but I
0: just now thinking of Eun <laughs> cock I wish I hadn't said that um yeah I think I think that kind of covers everything I mean it, it, it's a very like I say I I did enjoy it, mm. but I'm not sure why. I still can't work out why I enjoyed this film. I can only presume it's because of the actors. And there's not a couple of reasons I can think <laughs> I enjoyed it, but um, I, I think it must just be the actors. Like, yeah. it, it's, you know, they, they do deliver great performances, and it is a good film, and I would recommend it, if someone said to me, mm. um, just don't watch it on your own or something. <laughs> like, I'm glad I didn't watch this with my wife.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it's been a while since, um, I don't know, like... We touched on it earlier But obviously because the film's set in Scotland With a largely Scottish cat And because of where Ewan McGregor Was in his career at the time I remember there being A lot of anticipation for this film And I can't imagine If there was a film, if there was a film to be released now, like a sort of independent film, um, even with like a decent, with like a fairly well-known cast in it, I think it would just like fall between the the cracks, you know. Because yeah. you know, I, I don't think there's unfortunately, unfortunately, I don't think that there's room for this type of film in in the cinema. I mean, I remember going to see like Sweet Sixteen at the cinema at the Odeon, like not like at like the GFT or what was the one called on. Um, the one in Aberdeen called the sort of smaller cinema on Belmont Street, you know the, Belmont. I mean? the Belmont, the <laughs> yeah. Belmont, yeah, yeah, All right, um, it wasn't, you know, they. I, I was
0: waiting for you to dig your, I knew exactly what you meant, but I was waiting for you to say the street it was on. <laughs>
1: um, yeah, um, you know, they. So they they felt fil- like films. So twenty years ago, films like this were were getting multiplex releases, and I just don't. Th- I don't think it happens much anymore. I think you know, it's. No. I. I mean, I, I suppose. I mean, what I will say is, I went to see Sweet Sixteen on a Friday night with a. Girl that I was sort of dating at the time and uh, I think there was maybe about a handful of us in the cinema. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? It wasn't like it was everybody turned up for it you know, despite the fact that it was a Ken Loach film set in Scotland. It was in it was in Glasgow that I went to see it. It was in the Odeon on Renfield Street. You know, it's just, I don't, I don't think... Uh, it's the sort of thing now that might get made for Netflix or something like that, yeah. you know? you know,
0: It's exactly what I was about to say. It would be made for a streaming service or, yeah. or something like that. It wouldn't be a cinematic release. I mean, we're recording this on the week of the, the massive cinematic release doubleheader of Oppenheimer against Barbie, yeah. which is... Um, gonna be kind of the the big cinematic juggernauts going head to head. As I've said before. I've um I've got my tickets booked. I'm going to see Barbie tomorrow. I'm looking forward to it. I'll probably watch Oppenheimer, like download it at some point. But you're right, that this would be a streaming kind of Service yeah. thing and and it, it it's amazing. Yeah, it did get a, a cinematic release and it won like a Scottish couple of Scottish BAFTAs yeah, yeah, as well. Yeah. I think. Yeah, it's
1: it's well reviewed. You know, it's sort of highly regarded, yeah. well reviewed. I mean, I, I, at the moment, there's like four big films out, like the two you just mentioned. So you have got Oppenheimer and Barbie. My. My children and my wife are watching Barbie as we speak in Glasgow. Uh-huh. Um, and then Indian- the new Indiana Jones film came out a few weeks ago. And, of course, the new Mission Impossible movie came out last week as well. Um, so we got four massive summer releases all going up against each other. You know what I mean? So mm. where... You know, where would, where, where is the space for a, an independent film about Hugh McGregor shagging his way across 1950s Glasgow? <laughs> you know, Central I, Belt. I was hoping you were going to
0: say there, so where would young Adam fit into that? <laughs> and I was going to say, inside Tilda Swinton on the footpath. <laughs> anyway, um, okay. <laughs> <sighs> I, you make a very valid point. Yeah. Where do these, and, but we've answered it streaming. Yeah. This would be straight on Amazon prime or netflix yeah. or you know pop Pornhub hub yeah. probably <laughs> Pornhub. like it would just be straight on something like that <laughs> so the, this yeah i don't think this would get a cinematic release nice but never mind um yeah thoroughly enjoyed it but yes let's put it through the swally awards what have we got first
1: okay so the first award uh is the james cosmo award for being in everything scottish so i mean not short of candidates for this no movie. we're not
0: at all but i went with peter mullen
1: did you? Right. So my I. choice, yeah. So I, I didn't go with Peter Mullen. I, yeah. I've i written three names down. Just think about the mm-hmm. time. So I've written down Ewan Stuart because he isn't a lot of stuff. He was
0: my second choice, yeah.
1: I've written Rory and I've written Stuart Macquarie because mm. he tends to.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, Stuart Macquarie does pop up in
1: a lot of stuff. Yeah, he's a bit of a that guy, isn't he? You yeah, know, yeah. It,
0: it's it's it, genuinely when he popped up in the pub and I was like, oh, it's that guy. Um, yeah. Fuck, what's his name? Yeah. And I had to double check. And I was like, of course, it's Stuart Macquarie. The Christ, we've covered him so many times. But yeah, I, I mean, it could be any of them. But yeah, you're right. Maybe you and Stuart ahead of Mullen. has probably been in more. You're right. Stuart would beat Mullen. Um, would Macquarie possibly...
1: I mean he's he you know what? He, I, I, he plays I, 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 two roles in train spotting, doesn't he? he plays Billy Renton and the American Tourist. <laughs> right.
0: Let's give it to Macquarie because I think Ewan Stewart's won this award a few times <laughs> yeah, before. Okay. So we'll give it to Macquarie just so he's got one. Okay.
1: <laughs> just you know, see obviously if he's on Instagram and we'll tag him in. Um okay, next one then the Bobby the Barman Award for the best pub in the so film. There's
0: three pubs yeah. in the film. There's the the pub the Les, where they go to play darts but they don't play darts. There's the pub the Joe goes to with Gwen, yeah. and then there's the pub that he's in a few times at the end where he yeah. meets Bill, the Black Street um, pub, yeah. Stuart McQuarrie's character. Yeah. yeah. Um. So the the last one would be Mike. Yeah,
1: me, me too, me too. The 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 one that he goes to with Gwen just looks fucking dreadful, and yeah. bizarrely table service in a pub. That was weird. Right? Yeah, yeah, I
0: was quite surprised at that. Yeah, I d- I'm sure it was just a, a plot device to ensure that the photo of Cathy fell out his wallet. Yeah. So then we could later see him burning it. But yeah, table service. And it's just like a wee nip. And yeah, yeah, yeah. no, never
1: happened. Um, so the next one the, is the Jake McQuillan, your tease award. There's no violence in it. Is there, there, is, there is,
0: but the, I mean, the violence is really towards Kathy. I would say, which I, I don't approve yeah. of in <laughs> terms of spanking. There's a couple of little bits. Um, I, I, you know what I'm like. I always like to put something for every oh, yeah. award. So I put for T-Zoot, Joe being on his own at the end... And feeling guilty and throwing away the mirror. But then I was like, is that a t-suit? Because you know he's going to end up getting his hole that night.
1: (laughs) Make himself feel better, but. Off of
0: some woman. So is it really a t-suit? You know, he feels bad for, what, half an hour and then he's going to go and meet someone and end up shagging them. So I don't know. There's not really anything. I did think, I I had my notepad ready when they confront on the top of the barge and Mullen kind of races towards him. And I'm like, here we go, here we go. Gonna be a punch. But no, he doesn't even. Yeah. So
1: no. Next award, then uh, perhaps this film was the reason why we have this award—the Hugh McGregor Award for gratuitous nudity. So I've given it to four people, <laughs> given it to McGregor, <laughs> uh, to M- McGregor, obviously, uh, Mor- uh, Emily Mortimer, Tilda Swinton, and uh, Bill's wife uh, the landlord at the end. Because there's that, especially Harks, there's that scene when he comes in and she's just giving herself a bath in the window, <laughs> do you yeah. know what I mean? With a, with, a, with a sink. Like what the fuck are you doing? Well, yeah, because it's it's gratuitous
0: nudity, and a lot of the nudity in this is needed because of sex scenes and stuff. And and, okay, you're right. The Bill's wife just having a bath, yeah, is bad. I gave it to Auntie Gwen answering the door with her tit hanging out (laughs) because she literally answers the door to her sister and a a child and to Joe, and her boob is hanging out. And I'm like, really. So I went with that for gratuity, because yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, okay, there's no need for that. No, right, There was right. no need for Ewan McGregor's <laughs> cockscare jump. I didn't need to see young Adam like that. <laughs> but, but for her to answer the door with her boob hanging out, I know she's recently been bereaved. I know she is missing Rory's banana, but there's no need to answer the door we your tit
1: hanging out. Indeed. Okay, next then, the Francis Begbie Award for Gratuitous Swearing. Not a great deal of swearing in this film, really. There's not.
0: There's a couple... I think um the kid calls Joe a bastard.
1: Well that I've I know it's not gratuitous, but I picked that one because I just liked okay. it. He goes like say say hi to Joe, Jim, bastard. <laughs> so maybe smile. Um, where'd you go for?
0: Um, I went with Les on the top of the barge because he mm. does have three in a row and he does say I should kick your fucking head in you've been fucking my wife and then when Joe says that he'll go it's it's her fucking barge and just the I I thought three fucks in a row but yeah that's it there's that and the bastard yeah, and I think that, that is it in the film, which I guess they had to keep the language down so they could keep
1: the tits in. <laughs> yeah, so they could keep young Adam in. Um, <laughs> uh, like, and then archetypal Scottish moment. Fishing a body at the Clyde. <laughs> well, yeah, unfortunately they like, when I when I worked on when I worked at Frank and Benny's on Paisley Roads, like the restaurant backed onto the Clyde and uh you know, like not not regularly, but on more than one occasion we saw the police. Removing some poor soul that had fallen in or thrown themselves in. So, yeah. 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 What did you go for? I, I sort of struggled a little bit with it, but what I chose in the end, there's a picture, there's a, not a picture, but there's a shot of Ewan McGregor sitting on a bucket. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 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 and it just, rem- yeah, just, rem- just reminded me mean- of a Willie. So I thought, yeah. <laughs> it was a good one. So, and then lastly, then, this Sean Connery Award, who. Who won the film for you? Young Adam.
0: <laughs> um, I genuinely don't. I've put Emily Moore yeah. because she kind of did, but I don't know. I, I don't know. Like Hugh McGregor's great in this, but I, I can't give it to him because he's such a dick. <laughs> yeah. I, I, put, I put Peter Mullen and then i put emily mortimer but then tilda swilton is oh, great in this as well yeah. but i i you know i don't know who to give this to because they're all arseholes apart from emily mm. mortimer and yep. peter mullen really but I, I don't know who wins it um i'll give it to tilda swinton i think actually because she does deliver a great oh, she's brilliant yeah she's really good
1: yeah and then um, yeah but what i like about her like what i mentioned earlier is that she you know she's quite a, she's well, she, she sort of comes across as a bit of an eccentric sort of person, and she's playing somebody who's a very traditional sort of character. Do you know what I mean? Like Ella, she's mm. sort of a hard working housewife, well, only difference being a hard working mm. housewife on a barge. So, she, not only is she a housewife, but she's also working in the barge as well. Um, yeah. she, she mentions that she's she's grown up in the she's lived in the barge like her whole life, you know, and she, yeah, she's yeah, she's great. She's great. I mean, I, I'd written down you, McGregor slash Mullen. And I just think Mullen's though like Mullen's just fucking great in everything that he's in. Um yeah, but, he really but I mean is. like McGregor the reason that I would maybe sort of err toward him is that he is in every single scene. You know what I mean? Like there isn't there isn't a scene that he's mm. not in. You know what I mean? He's always he's, he's he's almost always on the on the on camera. Almost always on camera. Yeah, you're know? yeah, right, um, absolutely he is. Yeah. So I mean I've not I've I've not read the book. but I may read it when I'm on holiday. I don't know if it's written mm. in the first person from Joe's perspective or or not, you know? It, it is, right. yes.
0: Yes, it is. That's, yeah. And it's quite a, a manic read by all accounts. Right.
1: Kinds. I mean, Tilda Swinton says that the uh, the film is very true to the book in terms mm. of the sort of the themes and the feeling and everything of it, um, and the story. So yeah, I'll maybe give it a read then uh, when I'm on um, when I'm on holiday. I mean, a- Alexander Troche seems to have been quite a, an interesting character as well. Apparently, like a head, a heroin yeah. addict for pretty much his, his entire adult life. <laughs> mm.
0: um, <clears throat> yeah, he was. Yeah,
1: died of pneumonia. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I he believe, couldn't yeah. get his books published in uh, the UK. So a, a French publisher said he would publish them as long as he put like a sex scene in every twenty pages. <laughs> <laughs> mm.
0: Yeah, I believe. Yeah, they were they were published as effectively as pornography. Yeah. 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 books. So yeah.
1: so yeah, anyway, that was uh, Young Adam, which was my choice, which means that it comes back to you for the next episode. What am I watching when I'm on my holidays?
0: Uh, well, Greg, I think enough time has passed now so we can discuss what I'm going to pick next time. Because it aired on the BBC a few months ago and I, I didn't want to spoil things and put that out there. But I'd like to wrap things up. So I'd like to catch up with Max and Jake and see what they're up to and look at the third series of the wonderful... BBC, Neil Forsyth written drama,
1: Guilt. Cool. Yeah, well, I mean, this is the last one, right? I think he said this will be the last one, so yeah. brilliant. Yeah, no, I'll look forward to that. Yes,
0: it is the last series, and this will be, I think, yeah, this will be a first. This will be the first time we've done a third yeah, series yeah. of something yeah. on the Culture Swally. I think we've done two series of um, Guilt, we've done two series of the big group. Yep. I think that might be it, actually. That we've done two, so this will be the first time we've done three series of something, so we will, uh, Yeah. So it's available on BBC iPlayer and, I don't know, Andy from Finland. It'll be available in Finland probably in about two years' time (laughs) because I know you only got the second series when the third series came out. So I'm sorry about that. But if you're back in the UK and you've watched it or get a VPN, you can watch it on iPlayer and uh, be able to see it there. So yes, so Series 3 of Guilt on the next episode of the Swally that you can watch on your holidays, Greg. Cool. Okay. Well, thank you very much for listening, everyone. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you'd like to get in touch with us with anything you've seen in the news you'd like us to cover or any like a film or TV series you'd like us to look at, then you can drop us a line on cultureswally at gmail.com. And just drop us a line and say hello. We don't mind. Just feel free. Um, You can follow us on Instagram at cultureswallypod, or you can follow us on Twitter at swally pod and greg we have a wonderful website as
1: well don't you we? do it you can find us at cultureswally.com uh there's links to all the episodes including this one and uh articles about scottish television a little bit of an essay about the crankies uh, so come over and give us a bit of traffic wonderful
0: well thank you very much everyone um so yeah you up to anything exciting with the rest of your day greg
1: although it's ten thirty at night here so i think i'll be retiring for the evening pretty soon okay that's fair <laughs> enough then fair enough then. well
0: have a wonderful time in scotland and i'll see you in two weeks time for our next episode the culture swally but i will see you probably in two yeah. weeks time in amsterdam we'll yeah, time. Yeah. but i'll see you for recording in like a month's time <laughs> exactly. cool
1: until next time whatever time it is till next time <laughs>
2: that for? I had no use for it. Must be worth something, though. Not to me.